let's pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, you are the God who is in heaven. Your name is holy. Your word is holy, and we come before your word now. Lord, we ask that you would uh, work in our hearts and our minds. Point us to you. Point us to your son, Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you'd be shaping and molding us uh, to be more and more uh, like your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Many of you know that I've been on uh, medications for my blood pressure over the past few months. Uh, Since I was in hospital about five months ago now, I think it's been uh, that long now. And when I started on meds, I thought, you have to take them exactly as the doctor said. No skipping, no being lazy. Uh, But one time when I was in hospital, I heard the doctor talking to the patient next to me. Yeah, I was listening around. And he was saying to this person, uh, if, uh, he asked if you're on this medication. And he says, uh, you're on it once per day. And he says, have you been taking them? And to my surprise, uh, the patient replies, not really. Only when I feel like it. A couple weeks later, I was talking to my uh, doctor friend who's on my basketball team. And he says, some people are so shocking when they take their meds. They miss it, they skip it, uh, they're not regular, and it's only when they feel like it. Well, as we consider our church value of prayer dependent this morning, I think this is sometimes how our prayer lives are like. We know that prayer is good, that we want to talk to God consistently and regularly, But in real life, in our day-to-day lives, it's more like how some people take their meds. Not really. We skip, we miss. When we feel like it, when I need it, we know that we ought to pray, but sometimes we just don't. Prayer dependence is one of the values of Hertford Street Baptist Church. It's what we value as a church body. And it's what we believe is a mark of a foe of Jesus, being dependent on God in prayer. Not just sometimes or when we feel like it, but all the time, every season and circumstance, praying with the truth that God is in control and we're not. It's who we are, people of Jesus, are people of prayer. That's why it's a value of the church. And as we look at prayer this morning, it's something that the world does as a wish. We see it on TV or in times of distress. It's something that we do or we can do out of ritual or habit. It's something that we do at times more as a show. The token grace, the token opening prayer. We have to pray more than we want to pray. It's something in practice that we don't fully believe in at times. It's something that we do sometimes only in times of need. But before we look at being prayer dependent, we have to remember what prayer is, because sometimes we forget this too. We treat prayer like a ritual, like a performance, like magic words, like the passage says, but simply put, prayer is talking to God talking to the creator God who's the ruler of the universe. 
We listen to God when we open his word, and we talk to God as we pray to him. Prayer is also a privilege. It's made possible through Jesus. Uh, remember that he paved the way for us to have that right relationship with God as we just remembered in communion. And that's why we pray in Jesus' name at the end of our presence, because of Jesus that we can have this relationship with God. And to say that we're prayer dependent, we're saying that we need God. He's the one in control, not us. And we're asking God to do what he promises, inviting him in to do his will, to work his ways, to do what he loves to do in our lives and in our world. And today's passage, we see Jesus, the Lord Jesus, teaching on prayer. So as we consider what it means as a church to be prayer dependent, what it means for you to be prayer dependent, uh, we look at Matthew 6, and let's let Jesus teach us about prayer today. And as we think about Jesus in prayer, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a first century Jew. Because for them, prayer, it wasn't a new thing. It was central to their lives and their society. You see, a good Jew knows that talking to God in prayer is a central part of their lives. You go to the synagogue as a Jew, you pray silently or quietly with everyone else. On top of that, at different times during the day, uh, a trumpet or a bell would sound, and that means it's time to stop what you're doing, to stand up, to face the temple, and pray. These were all appropriate ways to pray. But over time, uh, in that society, people began to use uh, these as opportunities to show, or as a show to be seen or heard. At the synagogue, instead of praying to God, they were more like praying to those around them, praying to look better than whoever's praying beside them or last week, praying to look good by using big and fancy words, and praying to have authority by preaching their own mini-sermons during their prayers. I'm sure you've been in churches that have done that. All these guys, they were intentionally planning their day so that they'd be in the most public place when the prayer bell or the prayer trumpet rang. I know the prayer bells are going to ring at midday or whatever time, so just happen to be in the middle of King George Square around that time or in the middle of Garden City where those uh, big TV screens are near the food court, the centre of attention, and everyone will see and hear me pray. Well, that's what we see in verse 5 in your Bibles, if you look, as Jesus talks about prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. You see, Jesus shows two ways that the world prays and says, don't be like them. And the first way here is in verse 5, praying to perform. You see the word hypocrite? Uh, uh, that's a word for actors on stage. Uh, they're the ones performing uh, with their eyes on the crowd, the audience to get their attention. And Jesus says, don't 
pray like that. Don't pray to be seen by others. Don't pray to perform. Obviously, Jesus is not banning public prayer. He's teaching rather us about our attitude, our heart in prayer. Not to pray to perform to others, because that's how the world prays. And our prayers aren't directed to others. It's directed to God. It's talking to God. We'll come back to verse 6 later, but verse 7, Jesus, he gives another negative. Don't pray like to the pagan gods. The Jews, they weren't the only ones who prayed uh, in first century Jerusalem. Uh, It was a multicultural city, and the Greeks, the foreigners, they mixed, and they brought their little g-gods, their idols, their customs into the town. Local gods for their hometowns, their regions and their villages, little gods and idols for things like crops, natural resources, wealth, fertility, anything that you can think of under the sun. And these Greeks, these Gentiles, these foreigners, they thought if they just prayed long enough, their god, their idol would listen. They even had to refer to all the gods, sometimes with a special phrase or a special prayer voice or special secret words. And then they'd repeat this process a few more times and hopefully this would twist their little g-god's arm into listening and to answering their prayers. And Jesus, he says here again, don't pray like them. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. He says, don't pray like them. There's no minimum word requirement for God to listen. There's no minimum time, no level of spiritual maturity that you need to attain, no magic or secret words that gets God's attention. He says that's what the Gentiles, the foreigners, the worldly pagans do. Don't be like them. You see, this Gentile, worldly type of praying, they thought they needed to get God's attention first, that they needed to persuade God, twist his arm, to impress God somehow, to even give God the down low on matters we think that he doesn't know about for him to listen and answer. But Jesus says here, our Father, God, he knows what we need before we even ask him. So we don't need to persuade him. We don't need to twist his arm. We don't need to impress him into listening. There's no secret words or magic word counts. Again, obviously, Jesus, he's not banning long prayers. But he is saying, check your attitude, check your heart. Are you praying like to the pagan gods, trying to beg God to listen, to heap on words to get his attention as you pray? We've seen here how the world prays, praying to perform and praying like to pagan gods. And Jesus says, don't be like them. Don't pray like that. 
And while today, 2,000 years later, we hear this and we think, that's, that's silly. Why do we pray like that? But I think the world influences our praying more than we think. Praying or not praying, because our eyes are on those around us instead of to God. Praying and thinking that you have to say certain words or a certain number of words or not praying because of that burden. How's your prayer life today? Well, Jesus, he doesn't leave it there. He also teaches us here how to pray, what our attitude, what our heart in prayer ought to be, how we come to God and talk to him. And if our church value is indeed being prayer dependent, it's vital, it's critical that we learn what prayer is and how Jesus wants us, you and me, as his disciples to pray. Because if you uh, think, imagine if you caught up with a friend for a coffee or a drink or a meal and your friend was talking to you, sharing about their lives, their family, their work, their holiday and their health, but you don't talk back. You don't talk back to your friend. You don't respond. You don't interact back. Or if you do talk back, you ignore what they're saying. You change the topic or you, you talk random gibberish. That's kind of weird, right? That's not how a normal conversation works. And it's also weird in our relationship with God. We hear from him through his word, but we don't respond to him. We don't talk to him. We don't pray to him. That's why it's important for disciples of Jesus to be people of prayer and to have the right view on prayer. Well, verse 6, as we get back to the passage, gives us Jesus' first way to pray. In response to praying to perform, Jesus says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I don't think Jesus is saying here, don't pray in public at all. Even Jesus continues to pray in public in all of the gospel accounts, and the early church in Acts prays in public. But note that all of Jesus' uh, instructions, they all say here, make sure your attention and your focus is on God. Go into your room. The word here means the, most, the innermost room in your house. Shut the door. Pray to your Father who's in secret, who's with you even while you're alone. All of these little things saying, no distractions, no performance, your attention and focus is completely on God and God alone. And this verse, I think, has two consequences for us today. First, is get your focus right. Get your heart right. Prayer is talking to God. It's you and God. It's not about performing to others. It's not about impressing others or showing your spirituality to others. Get your focus right. And second is grow your private prayer life. Grow your private prayer life. Don't only find yourself praying with others only. 
whether that, whether that be with your family, your small group, or others in church, spend time with God in private, alone, just you and God. Don Carson asks these questions about this. He says, do I pray more fervently and frequently when alone with God than I do in public? Do I pray more frequently and fervently when alone with God than I do in public? Do I love the secret place of prayer? Is my public praying simply the overflow of my private praying? And he says that if we answer no to any of these questions, we actually fail Jesus' test here. We pray like the hypocrites, and we need to sit under Jesus' teaching on prayer. You see, Jesus addresses our attitude, our heart to prayer. He's pointing us upward to God. Don't pray horizontally to others. Prayer is to God. It's talking to him. And if we value being prayer dependent here at Hertford Street, if we want to grow our prayer lives and our prayer culture, Jesus calls us to get our focus right, get our heart right, our attitude to grow our private prayer lives, not just praying in public. Now we move to the final and the most famous section here. Jesus, he turns from the attitude, the heart of prayer, and he moves to the content or the pattern of prayer. Verse 9 begins, pray then like this. And we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not the prayer Jesus prays. It's not the magic prayer that Jesus wants us as his disciples to pray word for word. It's more like the disciples' prayer, the pattern, the model of prayer that Jesus gives to his disciples. It's a model prayer. It's a how to pray more than a what exactly to pray. Jesus says, pray like this. You see, in light of the big-worded, long-winded, magic-worded, persuading God to listen kind of prayers that Jesus says, don't pray like this too. Jesus says to his disciples and us, this is how to pray as followers of Jesus. It's usually split six ways, three comments about God, three comments about us. But as we consider being prayer dependent, I actually think this pattern of prayer, it's infused with, it's founded on, it builds in us a posture of dependency on God. So this morning, I want to highlight five ways that the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer reminds each of us today of our dependency on God as we pray. And the first reminder of our dependency on God we see is that prayer is to the holy God in heaven. Verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, Jesus teaches straight up that prayer is directed that way, to God, not to those around us. And our Father God, he's in heaven. Unlike us, he's the one that exists in eternity past. His name is holy, set apart, 
different to us, different in the way that he's perfect, he's righteous, and he's pure and holy, and we're not. This reminds us straight up of how big and how great God is and how little we are in comparison. He's the one that deserves praise, not us. And this moves us to see our dependence on him. The second reminder here of our dependency on God is that prayer is asking God to work his will. Verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Leading youth group was great about 10, 15 years ago. Uh, when we got to prayer time, uh, the prayers were always the same every week. Pray for my assignments. Pray for my exams. Pray for the guy or girl to like me back. Pray for me to find work in the holidays. Week after week, the same prayers. And note that the prayers are all about me, me, and me. And it's easy for this kind of prayer to keep going as we get older too. But isn't the Lord's Prayer both refreshing, yet challenging at the same time? After putting God in his rightful place in verse 9, now it's asking God to do not our thing, but to do his thing. Not my kingdom come, but your kingdom come. Not my will, but your will be done. Not God aligning with me and us and what I want, but earth aligning with heaven. Not our ways, but God's ways. You see, when we ask God to do his thing as we pray, we're essentially saying it's God's universe. God's the one who rules. He's the one who works, and we look to him. We align with him. We're dependent on him. Want to grow your dependence on God in prayer? Well, ask for God to do his will, for his kingdom to grow. God-centered prayers. Well, the third reminder here about our dependency on God is prayer is asking and trusting him to give us all we need. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. In Jesus' time, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have bank accounts, ANZ, huge savings, or superannuation accounts. They were literally paid daily, day by day for the day's work. Payment to pay for the needs of the coming day, the next day, and bread referring for food to live. And this line in the disciples' prayer means, look ultimately to God for your day-to-day -day needs. Trust him. He ultimately provides it for you because he's the one in control. He's the giver of all. He's the provider of all your needs. It's a reminder that we're dependent on him. And this shapes how we pray. Because if we truly believe that God is the ultimate provider, whether through ordinary day-to-day -day means or supernatural extraordinary means, we'd be quick to pray. We'd be first to pray, not the last to pray, 
our walks with Jesus would be marked by prayer. And as a result, we grow in our awareness of how dependent we are on God. We remind ourselves that he is the giver of all we want and need. And we grow in our trust in him to give us all we need for life. As we keep going, number four about our dependency on God is that prayer reminds us that God is the one. God is the one who forgives. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. After praying for our physical needs, our daily bread, this model prayer moves and touches on our spiritual need, forgiveness for sins, our wrongdoings, our rejection of God. And we're reminded that only God, only God can forgive our sins. We can't do anything to get rid of them. Only God can cancel our offences. Only he can pardon us. And he does this in light of the saving work of Jesus Christ. You see, as we pray, we pray uh, with a posture of dependency on God. We will ask God to forgive our sins. We will be reminded that God has forgiven our sins in Jesus. And we will pray for our hearts to be marked by forgiveness, which is what verse 14 and 15 expand on. Let me ask you this morning, when did you last pray asking God to forgive your sins? Thanking God for forgiveness of sins, acknowledging that God is the only one who can forgive our sins, inviting God to give you a heart of forgiveness to others, you see, if you want to grow in your dependency on God in prayer, pray in light of this truth that God is the one who forgives. Our fifth, our final reminder here about our dependency on God is that prayer is asking God to keep us on the righteous path. Verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I know about you, but fighting sin in this world is hard. You know it, I know it. We're tempted to live for ourselves day by day, to do evil to others, to reject God when left on our own. The hymn that we sang this morning sums it up. I don't know if you've seen these words. We sing it, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. How raw, how human are these words? You see, we need help, and we need more than a bit of help. I know I do. We need God's help. We're dependent on his strength and his work to fight sin, to reject evil, and to live holy and righteous lives before God. And this disciples' prayer this morning, it reminds us of our dependency on God in fighting sin, temptation, and evil in our lives. I think that we often think that we're godlier than we really are. 
that we're holier than we really are, that we're stronger than we really are, that we don't need any help at all in righteous living. We just try harder. We just have more willpower. We just need more time and focus. But Jesus gives us uh, this part of his pattern for prayer to show us, to show me, to show you that we need God's help, that we ought to cry out to God to say, Lord, keep me righteous, work righteousness in me, help me, lead me to live for Jesus. When did you last pray in dependency to God to keep you righteous, to lead you in holiness? Because if you haven't been praying this prayer, it's probably because you're trying to fight sin and evil on your own. You're going solo. When going solo is a losing battle, we need God's help to fight sin and evil in our lives. So I've looked at prayer dependence in Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. We saw how the world prays to perform as to pagan gods, and Jesus says, don't pray this way. But we saw how Jesus wants his disciples and us to pray with a focus on God. And Jesus' pattern of prayer is saturated with reminders of our dependency on God in all things. So as we consider today's passage, I want us to reflect and I want you to ask yourself three questions as we finish off. First, it's not really about prayer specifically, but how's your heart to God? How's your heart to God this morning? We reflected on this in communion when Ken posed the question too. How's your attitude to God? Are you close to God, depending on him, trusting in Jesus for all things, life and salvation, seeing God as big and you as small? Are you far from God to today, living independently of God, seeing yourself as big and God as small? How's your heart toward God today? Because maybe your heart, your attitude to God needs to change before you even consider your prayer life specifically. Maybe you have business to do with God, admitting that your heart is far from God. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness and asking God to change your heart to see God as who he truly is and who you are in light of his holiness and majesty and asking God for your need of Jesus in your life for life and salvation. How's your heart? Where is it today? Second question, how's your prayer life today? Is it more like how the world prays, praying to perform, praying to get God's attention, where your prayers are more like the world's praying? What does your private prayer times look like? Does it exist? Is it healthy? Is your rhythm of prayer working? How's your public prayer? Are you praying with others? 
And where's your heart as you pray with others? Is it to God or is it to those around you? And third and final question, how can you grow in prayer dependence today? You see, the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, is richly infused with dependency on God. How can this model prayer from Jesus influence your prayer life today and your dependence on God today? Maybe it's been reminded that God is utterly and truly holy. Or it's asking God to do his will and his way instead of your own in your prayers. Or is it trusting God with your day-to-day needs? Or is it knowing afresh that God is the only one who forgives? Or is it that cry out to God, keep me righteous? How can you be more dependent on God in prayer today and this week and moving forward? You see, as we think about prayer, we're reminded of how dependent we are to God. He's the creator. He's the ruler of the universe. He's saved us from our sins in Jesus, and he gives us that privilege to talk to him freely, to come to God confidently in prayer. And as we pray, we acknowledge that we are totally, completely and utterly dependent on God for life and salvation. Let's be reminded of this as we grow in prayer as followers of Jesus. Let's ask God to help us in this. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, you're the great God, the perfect and righteous one, the one who's sovereign in control of all things. Will God grow in us a posture of prayer that looks to you and gives you glory for who you are and what you've done for us in Jesus? Father God, help us to see our dependency on you and a desire to see your will to be done for your kingdom's sake and not just ours. Change our hearts and grow our prayer lives to reflect your greatness and your grace to us. We pray these things confidently in Jesus' name. Amen.